Royale, the Clash Royale podcast for casual players. I'm Rob. And I'm Joe. And this week, it's our birthday, baby. Let's go. It's our birthday. Boom. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, CLNSmedia.com, or wherever you get your podcasts, we hope you enjoy the show. So normally I'd be like, episode 8-2, baby, let's go. But... But it's year three, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, it is year three, and it's a huge milestone for the two of us. And I just want to take a second to acknowledge the fact that we finally made it to our three-year anniversary. Congratulations, bro. Congratulations to you, my big brother. And one thing I will say is I never would have imagined that, I, that we'd be here, to be honest. I think when we first started, I was like, hmm. Is anybody even going to listen to us? Right. Is this really going to work? I mean, can people really listen to a podcast about a Pringles-style mobile game? Pringles-style mobile game. I like it. Yeah, because once you pop... The fun don't stop. Boom! Boom. So, how was your week in the arena? Week's been good, man. I am currently sitting at 5,118 trophies, so I'm not really as high as like my normal like season end would be. Right. I'm just having fun in the in the ladder. Like I'm, I'm trying not to take it too seriously. I'm not trying to take it too lackadaisical. Like I'm just having fun. You know right. what I mean? Like I'm just trying to play the game and enjoy it. I think I think I said last episode that people are starting to like catch on to the Pompeo's Papaya deck, which I think is uh, still the case. And so I'm just you know I'm, I'm not trying to get angry after losses. That's like I've made a serious attempt, a conscious effort to be like when I lose. Like, yeah. GG. That's a good way to handle things like that. I thought I thought that this was kind of rolled up into our New Year's resolution too at some point. See? <laughs> I'm practicing. <laughs> good. I'm proud of you. Thanks, man. Clan is doing good in Clan Wars. We are sitting at I think 6400 plus trophies, so we're I think 300 more than last week. So we're moving and grooving, baby. Yeah, that's uh that's pretty good, dude. But tell me about your week in the arena so we can keep on keeping on. Yeah, we're keeping on. Um, so I'm currently sitting at around 4,300 trophies this season. Uh, not much has changed since the last time that I've been playing the ladder because, like I said, I'm just a little frustrated with it right now. And I started working on that other P.E.K.K.A. deck. But like I said, the cards aren't really at the level that they need to be. But I will throw it in there every once in a while. I've been playing a lot of 2v2s, really focusing on the challenge, especially the CRL challenge. Um, I got an Ice Wizard 
from the legendary chest that you win when you do the CRL challenge. Nice. Yeah, so that was pretty good. What did you get? Honestly, I don't remember. But if I don't remember, then I know for sure it wasn't a miner. It wasn't an Inferno Dragon. And I can assure you it wasn't a Sparky, because I would have remembered that too. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, and then currently, the clan is sitting at 6,911 trophies. I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah, it's about 100 more than we had last time we recorded. So, pretty impressive. You guys are keeping up the good climb, man. I mean, why go down when you can go up? I mean, speaking my language, dude. Right? I mean, that's really like the only thing to live by, I think, with this game. I agree. Yeah, you should. Um, so, a couple of news topics. Uh, the game threw some cool deals in the shop for us. So we had the trade and upgrade shop deals, which included a free common token, which I was pretty impressed with. I know it's only the base token, but like, I love when they give us free tokens. I like free anything. Right. Well, I'm, I'm just saying like, sometimes it's hard to really get the tokens from the end of war chests. You know, I felt like I was going to get them more often than I currently do actually get them. I feel like 90% of the time it's three packs of gold. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree, right? Like, and I think it's even harder because there's four different types of tokens. So it's not even just that, oh, I didn't get a token. It's, oh, I didn't get the token I need. <laughs> right. And I know we talked about this a little bit last episode, but I can safely say that the CRL challenge this time around was significantly harder than last time significantly right i thought it was just me but it seems like after talking to you and a bunch of other people from the discord we really had our work cut out for us this time around for the life of me i couldn't get more than 12 wins for the life wow. of me wouldn't even get close guess how many i got uh 11 Ooh, close i got 10 which is a personal best for a challenge for me i don't know what it was dude like i would go 11 and 0 and then I would literally lose three straight. Or I would go 11-0 and 0 and then lose two, win one, lose one. Like, as soon as I hit 11 wins, I don't know, maybe you get put into, like, a different bracket of, like, a pool of players. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was getting destroyed. It's funny. I felt like that after either five or six wins. Like, as soon as the sixth win would happen, it would put me in another bracket against people that, like, I just had no chance against, either because of their skill or because of the particular deck that they're using. I noticed that too, but I don't know. I just feel like the deck that I was, I was using that Lava Clone deck that we were talking about, it was working so well, but I don't know. I just feel like maybe, maybe the deck worked really well against whatever pools of people I was playing against. You know what I mean? And then, I don't know. I guess the thing is, if you know you're playing against it, and I'm not like a great player, right? So it's not like I'm playing the deck super, super well. Right. <laughs> so if I'm facing an opponent that knows the deck, then if I'm not playing it to the best of its ability, clearly they can take advantage. But I mean, I don't know. I hit a wall, like a brick wall, and then I literally just, just fell. You're like Wiley Coyote. Does Wiley Coyote hit into walls? and He hits into everything. Well, he doesn't stop, though. No, not always. Well, it depends. You know, an anvil can land on his head, or he could get hit by a moving train. Maybe he'll go through a wall, get catapulted over the ocean. So you're trying to tell me something, or? Trying to tell you that you're a fun person. Trying to 1v1, bro? No, not right now. <laughs> but you know what I did find? I found that because that particular deck that we were using wound up like saturating the meta a little bit in that challenge, a lot of people played with an Inferno Tower. An Inferno Tower, an Executioner, yep. a Tornado. Yep. Pretty much e everything that counters that deck Wiz, specifically. Baby Dragon, Poison, <laughs> Zap. And the list Snowball. goes on and on and on. It was literally like. I don't know. I feel like people had like seven ice golems in their deck that just, you know, destroy clones. 
right? You know what I mean? Like ice, yeah. like you drop an ice golem down. If it dies, everything around it just dies because it's no, one I health. No, it, it's really a, it's a really a, a bad recipe. But what are you gonna do? At least, uh, did you have fun? I had a ton of fun. How many gems did you go through? I'm not gonna talk about that. You got to tell me how many gems you got went through. I'm not talking about it. I'll tell you. Okay. If I tell you, will you tell me? No, Rob, because you were already ready to tell me how many gems you were going to give. <laughs> Am I right? You said it perfectly, Rob. All right. 350 gems. Wow. Yeah. That's dedication, dude. Yeah, and I spent, that's how bad I am, A. And, and B, <laughs> I spent $0 to get those gems. That is literally almost six to eight months worth of gem saving out the window on a challenge that I didn't even get the main reward for. Well, if it makes you feel better, I only spent 50 gems. That doesn't make me feel better at all. Good. I thought you were going to say 400. Nah, nah. Nah, 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 nah. But now I feel better that you told me, I guess. Well, here we are. Wow, you made it to 12 wins in five tries or four tries? Five tries. It took me one try to get to 12 wins, and then I never got past it. Wow. Yeah, the game was like, no, 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 no. Slow down there, the boom man, all right? (laughs) Nobody's booming nothing. I'm going to move you all the way back to the beginning. (laughs) Happy birthday to you, too, Clash Royale. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Tonight, we are sponsored by Robinhood. Joe, Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data, and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as the 100 most popular. That's right, Rob. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio. Discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Cast Royale a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at castroyale.robinhood.com. Once again, that's C-A-S-T-R-O-Y-A-L-E.robinhood.com. Thanks a lot to Robinhood for sponsoring our show. All right, Joe. So we teased about this on our last episode, and we said that we were excited but we wanted to set the expectations correctly, right? Because we didn't want to overpromise and underdeliver. But I don't think that's the case this time. You can't overpromise and underdeliver, dude. And we certainly did not do that today because for all of our fans and all of our listeners, dude, we would like to introduce Clash with Ash to the show. Welcome. Boom. Yo. Guys, it is a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. And oh my God, I'm so undeserving of that intro. But thank you, guys. Are you kidding me? I think the vast part of the community would consider you the man, the myth, and the legend, Ash. We appreciate you taking the time to be a part of our show, man. Uh, well, thank you, man. It's, it's, it's an honor to be here. I think, um, I think the honor is ours, to be honest. You have been a staple in the community in all aspects of the community. And I think not only us, but our listeners are going to be excited to hear your perspective on a, f- a few questions that we have for you. Yeah, guys, I am ready to talk some Clash Royale. All right, so I'm going to open it up with a nice little icebreaker that we do with all of our interviewees on the show. So the first question, nice softball. 
What is your favorite card and why? Okay, I can never just, I'm one of those people who I can just never give a nice, easy, simple answer, right? Because I had a, I've had a few love affairs. There's not just one card that's had my heart, right? And it all started back with Ice Wizard. I was a big fan of Ice Wizard. But then I left him when Royal Ghost came along. And Royal Ghost and me, we had it, we had it going on for a while. But then <laughs> I, became, I became an elite barbarian coach. And it really wow. took my career yeah, to the next level. So now I like the elite barbarians as my favorite card in the game. I'm actually really impressed because I think Joe and I cringe every time we get those <laughs> cards in our chests. But like, it sounds like you're all about this one particular card. So I commend you, bro, because I can't really play them too well you know what it is guys is i take the 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 cards and the emotes that are most hated in the game and i embrace (laughs) them i embrace them so that my favorite emote is do you guys have any guess on the worst emote in the game what do you think oh man i would say it's probably one of the giants and no no maybe okay i'm gonna tell you right is it a hog rider one do you know no no i think the worst emote (laughs) aka my favorite (laughs) emote in the game is the Inferno Tower. All it does, oh, it just- Oh, that would have been it. Right? All it does is just sit there and blinks once. That's the whole emote. It just blinks That's right. once. That's it. That is the it's worst. The most, I mean, I think the, the Clash Royale artist team, the Supercell artist team is, is absolutely amazing. And I couldn't make any piece of art if I gave me my entire life to do it. But with that said, like who is in charge of making that Inferno Tower emote, right? It's I like, think when it first came out, Rob and I were like, what is this? <laughs> So anyway, I like it. I like it though now. I really thought it was like the tower out of Lord of the Rings. I didn't know uh, what yeah, was Yeah, it does going look on. like that. It does really look like it. It was definitely in- inspiration from that, no doubt. So Ash, question. Follow up on the Barbarians. So is that one of the reasons why you came up with the challenge for CRL where you said, hey guys, you can get 20 wins, but can you do it with Elite Barbarians and Rage? Absolutely, guys. I mean, I am a coach. Who would I be if I did not encourage my, uh, my, my, my students to play Elite Barbarians? And honestly, they're like the crappiest card in the game unless you have them overleveled <laughs> on ladder, right? So I, I figure I'd be doing everybody a favor by putting them in the, in the challenge because tournament level standard Elite Barbarians, come on, they're awful. But ladder Elite Barbarians, they're really annoying. You got to admit, though, man, when you put that request out there on, on Twitter, you got a little bit of hate, dude. Oh, yeah, dude. Listen, the the people are really upset about these bounties. <laughs> they're, they're not just the elite barbarians, but also the bounties. You should see some of the comments like it's uh, some people take it really seriously. For me, it's always a game at the end of the day. But hey, everybody's different. Totally agree. So speaking of the game and, 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 and all there is to it, what is your favorite game mode and why? Yeah, so my favorite game mode, this is like a polarizing game mode, I feel like, but I don't know how you guys feel about it, but my favorite game mode is Draft. Ooh. I love Draft. I think that it's, it's, it's cool, and it's random, and people can complain about the card selections, and that it's, I feel like anybody who doesn't like anything in Clash Royale just blames on, on saying it's no skill. So like, you don't like this archetype, yeah. no skill archetype, you don't like this game mode, no skill game mode. But I think that there's a lot of skill that actually goes into draft. And as evidence, I submit that I host draft tournaments on a, a, pr- a fairly frequent basis, cash tournaments, and the same handful of players, and we're talking thousand person tournaments, the same handful of players seemingly always win. So if it was luck based, then you wouldn't see this, this small player pool. And they're not all pros. Just some people excel in different game modes. And I think there is an art to not just drafting 
but how to play differently in draft once you're in the arena. I actually agree with you 100%. So draft isn't necessarily my favorite, but it is top two. My favorite is the normal game mode where you play the normal decks. So the the different deck archetypes that they can give you. That's the classic deck challenge, right? Yeah, classic deck. Um, So that's my first because I like finding new decks that I didn't know existed from that game mode. And then draft teaches me how to pick different cards on the fly and make a deck on the spot. And that's something that you really got to practice with. So I agree. It's definitely up there as top two modes for me. Yeah. And I think the, when I'm playing clan wars, the only two game modes that I play are the draft mode and the classic mm-hmm. deck mode. And 100%. Yeah. one, because of the level caps, <clears throat> right? It's the only two yeah. with level caps. And so my cards aren't max. So I go in there. And so the other one is because like you said, Ash, it's one thing to pick a deck. But it's another thing to be able to play the deck, right? And the people that you're talking about that are constantly getting the top spots within the draft challenge in your cash tournaments, those are the people that not only pick good cards, but understand the best way to use them in any situation to make them most efficient and effective. That is a skill. It is. It is. It's like understanding, okay, uh, you know, off the top of my head, like, okay, a card like Mirror, for example, which is like probably one of the worst cards in normal game mode. I am a firm believer that it's one of the better spells in draft because it just gives you that flexibility that, hey, sometimes you only have one good air targeting option. Well, Mirror gives you two. Or, or sometimes you just need an additional one of something because you can't make that perfectly balanced deck as you can where you don't need Mirror in a normal game mode. So I like those kind of strategic variances between the, between the game modes. And on top of that, you get the same card for an extra level higher. So like, how do you beat that? Absolutely. And... Uh, and my second favorite game mode, not that you asked me, but I'll volunteer the info, is <laughs> because we're on the subject, is Mirror. I like Mirror Battles. Ooh. Have you guys played that one uh, much? Yeah, and that's the one where you have the same deck and the same starting hand. Same deck, star, same starting hand, same rotation. The only downside to it is that some of the decks are absolutely random and arbitrary. Like, they just pick... They must have some sort of very loose algorithm where they're like, okay, two spells and six cards later, you know, because... <laughs> They can be really, really random and, and seemingly meaningless. But if they refined mirror game mode a little bit, I think it could be the highest skill game mode in the game because everything's the same. What can you complain about? Right, because at that point, it's really based on your skill. Exactly. You know, you can't be like, oh, matchmaking's, oh, wait, it's the same deck. But, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> he got Golem first, so he must yeah. win. Right? <laughs> right. What would, so, all right, since we're on this topic, and I'm actually having a lot of fun talking about it, what would be your least favorite game mode? Uh, I'm not a huge fan of like triple elixir. I know a lot of people are, but it just feels like so insanely crazy and and somewhat arbitrary what happens uh, in it. But I think that my least favorite, it's weird because I like a little, just like a little bit of spice on your, on your meal, fellas. It's not like you, you don't want to overdo it, but once in a while it can be okay. (laughs) And that would be a touchdown mode. Whoa. And I'm not, Yeah. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to curveball here. That was left field, not, dude. I know. I'm not a huge fan of touchdown. I know a lot of people. I know it's another one of those kind of popular game modes. But I guess sudden death and touchdown for me is like it's nice once in a while. Yeah. But it's not. You know, you start playing sudden death and like when there's a sudden death tournament. I know I'm kind of. I I'm changing my answer halfway through. But <laughs> it's when good. you play sudden death tournament, it just becomes like balloon rage balloon freeze i feel like you know and it's just okay that was especially when you get to a certain threshold i feel like everybody's running that i don't know it's a little bit redundant what about you guys what's your least favorite sudden death absolutely okay really 
Yeah, dude, because I hate the fact that I get messed up by hog freeze players, balloon Ooh. freeze players, you know, lumberjack loon players. It's ju- it's literally just a <laughs> it's just a hodgepodge of that in the arena. And yeah. it's not like the most skilled deck. It's just the decks that really like get you so mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good answer. I actually used to not like Sudden Death a lot, and then more recently, since they started doing Sudden Death in the Global Tourney, that has gotten me more accustomed to that game mode, so I've been a little bit more used to it now, so I would think my current choice would be the Rage Battles. Mm. Yeah. I feel like a lot of times, and I may sound like one of those people that just complains about things because it no (laughs) longer has to do with skill, but I feel like most of the time it's me getting clobbered by beatdown decks, and I just, you can't really compete with that when it's just all rage all the time. Mm. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Some of those kind of, I don't know, some of those niche game modes are just like, they really, uh, they make it preferable to have one specific archetype, and then that kind of makes the game uninteresting. Totally agree. Which I guess for some people, that's fine. That's why they have the other game modes, which is pretty awesome. Exactly. So uh, let's switch gears a little bit. We, de- we got the softball out of the way. Let's go to some hardball questions. So what would be the background story of Ash? Like what types of things did you do before you did Clash that led you to where you are today? Oh, man, I have such an uninteresting story, guys. Uh- <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. No way. Well, I've been around a long time. I'm an old man by mobile gaming standards, so I've done a lot, you know, in terms of of, of careers and whatnot. But I guess uh, before this, I was I was a letter carrier. I, I dropped out of college when I got a job at the post office because I was like, man, this is not bad money at the time, you know. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just gonna do this for a while, then I'll go back to school. And inevitably, that never happened. Uh, but I so I started doing that in uh, I started becoming a letter carrier. Excuse me, in 2004. And I did that all the way up until I went full-time uh, content creation, but I did both. Uh, I was a letter carrier and a YouTuber for a few uh, years before I had, you know, sustained enough or built myself up, excuse me, enough to uh, create that sustainable income from from the content creation. But like that was kind of my story in a nutshell in terms of, you know, jobs, I guess. I started with Clash of Clans, transitioned to Clash Royale, and yeah. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask. What games did you play before? And was it just Clash of Clans and Clash Royale? Was it just those two? It's always a Supercell hit. <laughs> well, actually, like I way back in the in the late 90s, really dating myself now, I got into a an MMO uh, called EverQuest. And Ooh, I know EverQuest. Yeah, so I, I played it and I got I moved out of my parents' house because I was like they were upset with how much I was playing this game. And that was the first <laughs> time that was the first time I like lived on my own. And I was only 18 and I, I just kind of lived and breathed and, and, uh, and let like the rest of my life slip away. It's a really sad story, but I became like a victim of an MMO. And, and typically I'm not normally that type of person. Like I've always loved video games. I've always loved retro games. I grew up playing like Nintendo and Super Nintendo and stuff. And uh, then Nintendo 64 and, and, you know, right. just, just enjoyed like the social aspects of it, playing with the friends, going and playing GoldenEye with my friends and stuff like yep. that. And then, and then Halo and then Halo 2 and, you know, all the normal stuff. But then it kind of got caught me off guard. I got really roped into the MMO RPG of EverQuest and ended up again, like I said, my life kind of, you know, it's weird because the dichotomy is you're having such an awesome time in this game with people who feel like friends at the same time, your real life kind of starts to fall apart around you. And that's, that's, that's what happened to me. So after that, I kind of swore off video games for the most part, you know, I still played here and there, but when I picked up clash of clans for the first time in 2013, I was like, man, 
this seems so benign. How could I ever get addicted to a mobile <laughs> game? And at, the, at that time, I mean, it must have been, gosh, I, I forgot what iPhone I had or whatever I was playing on at the time, but it was, it was like really, that was like cutting edge Clash of Clans, you know, at the time. And uh, I just kind of started playing it. And at the time, I saw other YouTubers kind of having success. I was never a big YouTube viewer before I became a YouTuber myself. And I, but I did know just from my clanmates about other Clash of Clans YouTubers. Like, oh, did you watch, do you watch Galadon? Do you watch Chief Pat or whatever? You know, back in 2013, I'm like, uh, no, but I guess I will. And that's kind of right. how, that's kind of how it all kind of started for me. Wow, man, that's an awesome story. And I can relate to like playing a video game so much that you feel like your life is kind of going the opposite direction. It's like, I used to play World of Warcraft and mm-hmm. I literally got soaked into it. I would like type in backslash played and see that it was just like five months of my life. And I'd be like, all right, so (laughs) maybe I should reconsider. Yeah, the similarities between like obviously between EverQuest was like the predecessor to World of Warcraft. I know it's not an MMO podcast, fellas, but uh, a funny story is like my guild leader. This is really getting real nerd level 10 out of 10 here. My guild leader was like the the source of news information. This is before YouTube that going back to like, I don't know, the year 2000. And he had a blog about uh, everything EverQuest and MMOs. And he was later hired and became one of the lead designers for World of Warcraft, my guild leader. And he was, wow. it was just, it was pretty crazy. He still works for Blizzard uh, today. That's crazy. That's amazing. His name was, well, I won't say his real life name, but his, his game was, his game name was Fuhrer Plains Defiler. So you guys can look it up. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah. That's a good fun fact. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So that's a good story, man. So, I mean, basically you went from moving out at 18, playing too many video games to then going on sure. no video game spree, Clash of Clans, working at the post office, and then YouTube, man. I mean, if that Pretty doesn't much. say that any, you know, if you just take a dream and, and kind of run with it, anything's possible, huh? Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's cliche, but it's true. Like, I've always been the type of person to have a million different things going on, like projects and interests. It seems like you guys are the same type of, the same type of dudes to have that, right? I mean, so I've always done stuff other than just work. I've never looked at the post office as, and even when I was delivering mail, I was always listening to audiobooks about businesses, about startups, about, about autobiographies. Like, I was always consuming and consuming and consuming media and I think that that's, you know, that's informed a lot of where I am today. No, I think it's a really good story, Ash. And, and, and I think all of those aspirations that you were just talking about really come through in what you do today for your viewers. It certainly does to us when, when we watch it. So kind of transitioning into that, actually, what does a typical prep session look like for you when you're streaming or when you're recording a YouTube video? How do you prepare for that post? What equipment do you use? Like, you know, if we're, how does that all come together in one solid piece? Yeah, I mean, well, my guests are at this point, I'm really, really lucky because I've been doing this. When I started with Clash Royale, I was like, dude, you suck at this game, Ash. What are you going <laughs> to like? How are you going to make a YouTube channel? And I started to see other YouTubers who were just average, you know, uh, who are transitioning from Clash of Clans or Boom Beach or whatever to Clash Royale. And I noticed that their views started kind of dipping off. And I was and mine were, too. And I'm like, man. What am I going to do here? I, you know, if I want to keep growing my channel, that time I wasn't full time. So I started to, I started like the whole pro tips thing. Cause I'm like, I've always been the type of person, if you're going to make any sort of content, the first question you should ask yourself is what would I want to watch or what would I want to listen to? And me personally, not saying it's for everybody, but for me, 
I love interviews and I love I love uh, kind of getting into the nitty gritty and the strategic elements of a game. And I, I guess I kind of like dry stuff. Not that I'm trying to be dry, but uh, I like I just love interviews. You know, I love interview podcasts. I love uh, and I am a huge podcast consumer. Thanks to the post office for 10 years of my life listening to <laughs> audiobooks and podcasts. Right. So uh, and I would do it for 10 hours a day on time and a half speed. So. I've created, I created the pro tips. I created like a, a network of pros and, you know, I just meet people. And then eventually it became like a symbiotic relationship where they would come on the channel. They would shout out their channels, their social media, and hopefully they could grow a name for themselves. So at this point, I don't have to, this is a long winded answer. Sorry guys. At this okay. point, I don't have to necessarily go out and find content. I have the luxury of a lot of it coming to me at this point. Although I still try to hunt down like pros who I really want to get on the channel. Right. But when I have a, a date set up and a time to record, because I upload every single day, uh, it's, it's, really, it's really just a grind. You know, it's, it's a grind yeah, yeah. and it's repetitive. So every day I try to have at least one video lined up. Uh, sometimes, like right now when we're recording this, the 21 challenge is wrapping up, CRL challenge. So I have a lot of people reaching out. I got 20 wins of this, I tweet this, and it's awesome. And then sometimes it's just kind of dry in between updates or something like that. But once I have a guest booked, I record with them. I have an idea of what deck they're playing. And it, whether it's voice or not voice, I, I, I never script anything, even my opinion videos, because part of it is just the frequency of the upload. Like I don't have time to sit down and, and write and refine a, a script for two hours. So I'm pretty decent. I wouldn't say I'm the best, but I'm pretty decent at just ad hoc conversation. And as you can see, as evidence, I would submit the answer to your question. I can talk a lot. So <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like at this point I record on Skype. I, I edit it. I have the conversation or I or I talk over their gameplay if they don't speak English that well, if they're not, if they're not comfortable on the mic. And then I take maybe I spend about and I record with OBS. Uh, I record with an Elgato HD60 hardware Ooh, nice. with a lightning cable on my phone or on my iPad, excuse me. And then I edit with Sony Vegas because I'm too much of an editing noob to use Adobe Premiere, which is way better. And uh, then I render, and I upload and I respond to comments and uh, I stream and then I repeat my day. And that's pretty much it. Dude, I cannot believe you do this on an iPad. <laughs> well, I mean, I record the game. I have to record it from something, right? Yeah, but like <laughs> just having that as part of like, I always look for other ways to incorporate my Apple technology into the things <laughs> that I do, especially with the podcast. So like just hearing that that's part of your routine is pretty cool. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like the mobile element of it still stays intact. Yeah, that's good. You know, it's funny, Ashley, you mentioned it's a grind, right? Because I think when people look at, not so much us, I mean, we're every other week, right? But I think when people look at you and what you do they see videos every day sometimes people can kind of take that for granted it's a lot of work that goes into what you do a lot of preparation i know you say like you don't have time to script at all but the grind is real with what you do and i mean it's a lot of dedication that you put into being able to deliver the quality product that you put out every single day so i i, I think you know we certainly appreciate all that effort that you do and I, I think you just mentioning it here kind of points that out yeah and the fact that joe and i know what that feels like on like a Maybe a sixteenth of a scale. Yeah, <laughs> a, very, a very, very nano, small scale style. We have so much respect for everything that you do. So again, I just want to take the moment to thank you for taking an hour out of your long twenty-four hour day to to join us on this show because this is truly an honor. Uh, guys, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> it, is, it is to us. I'm not that big of a deal. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, no, nah, thank you. I appreciate it. It's it's it's. I'm not gonna sit here and lie and be overly humble about it. Uh, 
it's it takes a serious mental toll, and I've I've made tons of sacrifices on as does any content creator. Uh, what you see on YouTube, no matter who you're watching, no matter what you're watching, it like it all just seems so upbeat and rosy, and then you forget like how much work goes into making that consistently, and that's why burnout is a real thing in YouTube, and it's a real thing in streaming, and it's something that everybody struggles with, whether you're releasing content you know, every week or every other week or every day, you still experience a, a lot of that pressure. I don't know how I did this when I had a, a full-time job. Like now I feel like I have no time to breathe, but I, yeah, at one point I did it while I had a full-time job. So I don't know, but at the ultimate, at the end of the day, it's still my living too. So it's also work for me now. So, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a valid point, but like you said, it is a grind, right? Or at least it can be. So sure. through that grinding, what do you find is your inspiration to keep doing it? Or maybe another way to ask the question is what would be, or who would be your biggest role model for why you're doing what you're doing within this community? Oh, I have so many different role models guys, but it just depends. Like I don't have one person who I look to in any, in any area of life and say, that's what I want to be. Uh, but I take inspiration from many different people. So like one of my best friends is power bang gaming who covers, uh, uh PUBG mobile and we talk on a daily basis, and I, I got to say, mentally and just his professionalism gives me inspiration to be that way as well, and always stay grounded, never get too emotional, because that's one of my downfalls as a person is I do get emotional, I do get passionate, and sometimes it can lead me to be overpassionate and too reactive in the moment, which is a lesson that, you know, if I... <laughs> Even though I have to work on it, it's it's one thing that everybody should work on, especially in this day and age of social media and stuff where it's so easy to be reactive. Uh, I fall into that trap as well, but it's something I'm always trying to get better at or reacting to criticism, you know, negatively or defensively. So I take that from Power Bang. Uh, I mean, there's so many people who I who I honestly have who I who I re think of every day and who I who I think, OK, I want to be like that on a broader spectrum outside of the mobile community. I look at other YouTubers like I really admire and respect like Phil DeFranco and, and Matt Pat. OK, uh, so I think that Phil DeFranco and Matt Pat are guys who have done who have had a lot of success and also have a really, really intimate knowledge of the business side of things behind YouTube. So I respect that and I admire their hustle. And I think that ethically and morally that I can, uh, I think they've done it the right way, you know? So those are guys that I look up to. And then, you know, going way beyond, I, I really, this is going to be the cheesiest answer you've ever heard on who's your, your role model or who you look up to. But I, I, I really oftentimes think of uh, Fred Rogers, who ah, is Mr. Rogers, nice. right? Yeah. So I think that he's just lived life in, in, and my brother passed away three years ago and I, and I, he really loved Mr. Rogers, his whole life. Right. And, and, uh, I, I think a lot about, uh, just how innocent, but yet how strong he was at the same time and how positive he was and, and how much, and he didn't care. Like it's Mr. Rogers here, but still at the end of the day, he never cared at all what anybody thought of him. And he just wanted to be positive and spread love and not do it in any sort of a disingenuous way. I don't think I can ever come anywhere close to doing the type of things that he did. But like, I guess to wrap up this whole question, it's just like, I take inspiration from so many different, uh, you know, people, I guess. I think that's the perfect answer. So thank you for going through a list of all <laughs> no that problem, stuff. No problem. We really no problem. appreciate that. So Ash, since you brought it up, I, Rob and I had noticed something that you had posted about your brother on Twitter the other day. 
Um, I think you also posted something on just various social media, just kind of explaining the situation. I was wondering if you could just share a little bit of that here and what, what he meant to you if you, you know, if you're willing to kind of go into it. I think it would be helpful to kind of talk through what he meant to you and what he taught you as part of your, your journey. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks so much for asking me about that, Joe, because honestly, it's, I don't know, I feel like we have a weird taboo or a stigmatism in, in our culture around, you know, talking about people who have died, you know, especially if they're really close to you. But I think the best thing you can do for somebody's memory, heck, if I died next year, I would hate if everybody's like, don't ask about Ash, man, he's yeah. dead, you know? <laughs> uh, so for that reason, uh, yeah, my, my brother, Sean, he was 29. He passed away three years ago uh, in, in March. And he was autistic. And I was kind of like, you know, it evolved from me being a bigger brother. I was four years older than him. Uh, to to more of a caretaker as we entered into adulthood. And the best way to describe Sean would be somebody who he has a, like Mr. Rogers in a lot of ways, had a very innocent personality about him. Uh, he could be blunt as well. But I guess like in terms of uh, his education level, for lack of a better word, he was probably equivalent to like a, a third grader or so, you know? So okay. you could have a conversation with you and he loved movies and stuff like that and TV shows and loved Disney. And he was just like, he was stuck in that. Maybe that's, I don't know, like uh, first grade. I don't know what first grade, I don't know what, what grade people like things, but he, uh, he became someone who I was just like a protective over brother, older brother to a somewhat of a caretaker after my mom passed away. And and then I became more of somebody who would teach me things in a little way, because we just tend to get so caught up in. And this is going to be such a I don't know. I, I mean, getting getting deep here for the podcast, guys. But but like so many times in life, we just get so caught up in everything or everything that's stressing us out. Uh, whether it be, and I am no uh, exception to the rule, you know, whether it be, you know, somebody's mad at you or you're letting somebody down or there's a political argument or, you know, there's drama in your family or friends or whatever. There's always something to worry about. But my brother never worried about anything. Like one thing he didn't have in his DNA is the ability to worry, you know? So it, it, not just that, but it, it, that also allowed him to notice little things that seemed pretty meaningless or or just uh, irrelevant to a lot of people, you know? Like, he would just pick up a leaf and just look at it or something and just point out a few things about it. But, like, moments like that, it just really deeply instills a level of awareness that, that, that most people just don't have today. And that's something that I really learned from him while he was alive. And since he's passed away, it's been something that I've tried to take, take with me. But... Even that is just so it's difficult to do. It's easy to say it's very difficult to do. But I guess that's one of the thing, one of the many things that 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 I learned from my brother and that I hope to pass that message on as best as I can. You know, yeah, I think to your point, a lot of us always get caught up in the grind of life, right? Yeah. And then life's over and then like, that's it, you know, and like you just you, you spent your whole life distracted by stuff and worrying about stuff, you know? Yeah, and it's 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 such a good lesson to learn. I, you know, I, I think Rob and I, I speak for Rob and I both when I say that we appreciate you sharing the story about your brother and what he's taught you. But it's just interesting to know that, you know, and that's applicable to anybody. We all go through this, right? So just being able to, it's the little things in life that people take for granted. Where if you just take that step back, slow things down for a little bit, you can really focus on something. You know, 
Is it really the end of the world? Is it, is it really that important? Is it really make or break right now? Or can I enjoy something else? <laughs> can I focus my attention elsewhere and just stay positive? And it's just, it showed in your response, right? Like even though, you, you know, your brother passed away, you took the positivity in him and the messages and the themes that he taught you and you just shared that with us. And I, I think that's a really special moment. Yeah, and I thank you. And and uh, and not not to say that everything's like awesome in my life. Like I still go through bouts of, you know, I guess depression or anxiety, just like a lot of people do. But, you know, I try to kind of keep those lessons uh, in the back of my mind or in the front of my mind if I can. Sure. Well, I can speak on behalf of the two of us and all of the siblings that listen to our show, because we certainly get emails about people listening with their brother and their sister, that that story alone probably hit home for a lot of people. So thanks a lot for that. No problem. So Ash, I think we're going to switch gears yet again. And talk about the fact that you are ingrained in the Clash Royale community in so many different ways. You've got esports, content creation, which we talked about. You're kind of like a staple for the community where people think of you as a face in certain instances of what's going on, ingrained in different things. What part of that, of your role in the community, do you actually enjoy doing the most? You put a bunch of different hats on, but which one do you like doing the most? First of all, very kind of you to say all that, but I don't look at myself that way, honestly. And I'm not just saying that to say that. Like, I look at other people out there, like you guys, like, you know, I mean, I don't want to name names because I'll forget somebody, but there's so many people doing, you know, what I do in a lot of ways and not getting the recognition that I get from it, you know? And it's just true. It's not me, again, like, I, I know this is like, oh, nice guy, Ash. But it, it, it's just true. Like, you know, I mean, as an example, like Chisen uh, runs RPL and, you know, like he gets some thanks and stuff on Twitter. But like this is a guy putting in essentially full time hours into something that is he's not getting paid for, you know, and and there's a lot of people like that streamers and 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 uh, and casters like Rich Slayton is doing a lot of stuff now too. the caster from yeah. CRL and uh, and Mastery Matt. Like I can just go on and on and on. And and content creators running like small uh, tournaments and contests and stuff like that. So it's certainly to, to say that I am the face of the community or anything like that. I just don't feel while very kind. I just don't feel I feel like I don't deserve it, you know. Uh, <laughs> but my favorite with that said, my favorite thing to do is I really, truly enjoy content creation. Like I just I do. I, I think it's something that I never go into the office or very, very seldom do I go into the office and think to myself, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do today, and I hate this, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. It's more of, like, all the stresses and everything like that. That's what, like, brings me down. That's what, and and I've been lucky enough to make so many, like, contacts that sometimes I can't respond to everybody, or I'd be here, I just don't have enough hours in the day. So that's the stuff that really stresses me out, and which, which the downside to being so uh, engaged with the community. But on the other hand, uh. I love working with other content creators, honestly. That's like, that's my favorite thing to do, even beyond just Clash Royale. Like any, I guess mostly mobile specific, but any mobile game, I love having conversations. I love almost going into a YouTube channel and really getting at the analytics, especially YouTube, because that's my, you know, my platform. And it's something that, as I told you guys earlier, I'm really into the business side of everything, like whether it just be the analytics in an SEO optimization on YouTube, or if it's, you know, how to make brand deals, how to value yourself, because there's no roadmap in this industry. It's so new and it's a billion dollar industry. And to a big extent, 
content creators oftentimes get the raw end of the deal. You know, we're not valued as TV advertisers or as, you know, quasi celebrities. I'm not saying we're celebrities, but I'm saying that a celebrity with with less reach than a content creator will probably often get paid 10 times more. So I really like the business side of things. And I like the uh, I like helping content creators grow their their channels and supporting them. That's that's what I really uh, enjoy the most. That's what I could see myself doing beyond YouTube after YouTube. So we keep talking about all this content creation. You're making all this content for a large community of people. That community has somewhere that they can go, which would be the CWA discord. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about that? Like what sorts of things happen in there? Do you guys talk strategy? Are you sharing decks? Are you sharing videos, you know, connecting PR stuff like that? Yeah. CWA discord. First off, I take zero credit for that as well. Uh, add that to the long list of things that I have no uh, no ownership of in terms of in terms of making it happen. Uh, it was created by a shout to Apple Man. He was a uh, one of my just subscribers and viewers who took it upon himself to create the channel. Uh, nice. And then now I have my uh, one of my managers, Shajan, running it. And so he has a team of moderators under him. Shout out to all my Discord fam. I don't get to chat there as often as I'd like to. I I did it in the beginning, but now it's just like I told you guys. That's the thing that that stresses me more than anything is I just can't be everywhere at all times. And I have a pr- right. problem as is just responding to DMS on a daily basis, which I hate. Uh, but with that said, discord server, almost 16 or maybe over 16,000 people. Uh, we have a really awesome, I don't want to compare myself to the clash Royale official discord server, but the nice thing is, is it's very, very heavily moderated. Not to say that the clash Royale discord server isn't, but it's very organized and moderated, and you can share your friends' requests. There's a special section for that. There's a trade center that's really a lot of people love, and it's very active. There, you can really orchestrate and organize trades. We have a clan re- recruitment section, which is very active as well. So there's that. There's strategy talk, and then we have some rooms, some voice rooms for like you know brawl stars and in PUBG and stuff as well. Nice. It actually sounds uh, pretty similar to the stuff that we have in ours. So there you go. It's good to know that that yeah, it's good to know that that system works on a much larger scale. I mean, Joe, what are we what are we working with? Maybe like fifteen hundred people on on our Discord server, and that's that's probably like an overestimate. I think that would be safe to say. And I thought we had a ton of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. I think just having a place for a community to kind of get together outside of the normal spot for the community to get together, right? Like people normally get together when they watch your YouTube channel, right? But they aren't together. People are together when they're listening to our show, but they're not really together. I think having that Discord as a place where they can all come together and be one united community where they can interact with each other, have that sense of camaraderie with one another is a really important thing to keep the community going, which, which, which I think is just a great way to encapsulate what's going on. I agree with you. But do you know what my you know my favorite thing about having those types of communities are? Like on a Discord type server like that or even on like a Slack? So in our Discord, it's a great way for people to vent about certain things that are happening within this game. And it may sound like I'm, I'm joking around, but honestly, there are so many people that get frustrated, myself included. Joe, I know you get frustrated. Ash, I'm sure you get frustrated a lot of times when we're playing this game because it's a very competitive game. But there's a, there's a good way to vent, and then there's a bad way to vent. And just kind of spewing all over Twitter and all the other social media platforms, that's not really the best way to vent. And you usually don't get what you want that way. I feel like having like a talk session in your Discord is a great way to kind of keep the community at a healthy playing level. But nobody vents on Twitter, right? Nobody ever goes <laughs> on Twitter. Nobody. Yeah, vents, nobody vents right? on Twitter. You know, the wrong way. <laughs> Who does that? 
Nah, it's so true though. It's so true. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, uh, not, you know, controlling your emotions when on the internet is something is a skill that, that is so valuable that, uh, you know, it is, it, it is something that people don't really realize, but, uh, and we're seeing it more and more in society today where you put something out there and it's just kind of like you, everybody, whether you're have one follower or, you know, a million followers you have, as soon as you put yourself out there, whether it's your real name or your fake name, you're making like a brand for yourself or what sure. you, you know, and every Everything you ever say, you know, most of the times can come back to haunt you. So just being very cognizant of that and how you represent yourself, things that you necessarily would say to your friends in real life, you don't want to be going and putting on the Internet. And a lot of people, not just young people, a lot of old people like me or even older do not understand that, you know, completely agree. So, yeah, I think it's having having a good constructive place to just kind of air out in a in a in a you know in a good way is 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 definitely beneficial yeah and i honestly i think that and this is just from the two of us to you one of the things that we look up to you for is your general attitude and your positivity because we try and keep that with our podcast every time we sit down to record an episode or when we're conversing with people in our discord or even on twitter and stuff like that so um, that, that example that you set for us helps keep us doing what we're doing. Even though we try and be positive, sometimes it gets really frustrating. It's hard to always do that, but you know, we always do keep the things that you say in the back of our heads as well. Well, thank you guys. I, I, I appreciate that. And, and, you know, I don't think anybody's perfect, right? So we all make mistakes. I'm sure you guys may have made one or two in the past in your lives. I've made a ton of them, you know, and I still make them all the time, but I think that like, but yeah, I, I, I agree, guys. I agree. So, Ash, one thing that we've been talking about a lot is the community, right? But one thing that the community likes to do is live vicariously through others, mostly pros who maybe they try and be like. Um, what do you see as the vision for Clash Royale? Is it a casual game that anybody can play? Is it an esport game that becomes so competitive and huge? What, what in your mind is the vision of, of Clash Royale moving forward? Man, only Supercell can answer that, right? I mean, I have everybody has their own. Not to dodge the question, because I'll share what I like. I'd like it to be, but uh, ultimately, it's not up for me to to decide. You know, it's it's everybody in this game looks at this game only through their own lens. You know, uh, and whether you're doing that subconsciously or you're doing that consciously or you're doing that all the time, like it takes a lot of effort to step outside your own trophy range or your game mode or your clan or your ecosystem and look at it on a global scale, which is what Supercell has to do every single day. So, you know, they have more information uh, uh, than we do at their disposal. They need to keep this game strong for the casual and intermediate audience uh as their first line of business right because they are a business at the end of the day and without that you know think about it before crl happened there was two years of just non-competitive content except for community run leagues and stuff like that so i love the esports side of things i love the competitive side of things it's what i find most interesting uh because I I love the game, but I'm not super passionate about the game, if that makes sense. Like, if you took away the community, took away YouTube, took away everything, I don't know if I'd still be playing, if I'm honest. I probably shouldn't be saying that, but 
it's really everything around the game that makes me enjoy it. Like seeing, watching CRL, I love. I love the competitive side of things. Watching a pro player dominate, I love. That goes back to me making content I would enjoy watching. That's why I do it. You know, I wouldn't enjoy, no offense to YouTubers who do it because there's a lot of great ones out there, but I wouldn't enjoy watching an average YouTuber play. Like, it's just not what I would want to watch. So why would right. everybody want to watch me, you know? And I want to appeal to people who are like me. So that's kind of that's that's kind of what my shtick, you know? So yeah. I would love to see the game still continue to make strides competitively, but we need to make sure, or Supercell needs to make sure that they kind of maintain that base of casual players at the same time. So how, how do, in your opinion, how can they do that? Is it by improving gameplay is it by improving how quickly people like casual players can level up is it removing caps in the game like what from your perspective would drive that that want that 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 passion to play in that casual scene yeah so i mean continuing to make big uh, well there's a lot there's a lot there right there's a lot of a meat on that bone because we could talk about uh you know, how to break down the, the paywall in the game, which is, I think, something that's really important. They've already made a lot of strides in that area, too, to, to give credit where credit is due, right? They've, sure. They've, they've done a lot. It costs way less to max out your account than it did in the beginning, and you have more autonomy thanks to all the draft chests and stuff like that, which is nice. Right. Uh, so they've come a long way, but I still think they should keep moving in that direction of tearing down the paywall, making things a little bit more fair on ladder, uh, and at the same time, uh, continuing to monetize through cosmetic and, and non-competitive ways. And my ideas on that end, like my biggest idea, it's a small idea, but it's a dramatic idea, is, you know, adding in, they have the trade tokens. I like the idea of adding in a challenge token. That will repopulate challenges, which right now are pretty bad. It takes a long time to search, and when you do... It's like a pro player every time in grand challenges. It's like it's awful. <laughs> it's it's very difficult now because it's just mostly really good players farming their accounts in grand challenges. Uh, so I think that adding tr uh, challenge tokens would be a good way of 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 helping people be able to farm their account, like Clash of Clans or another game. People ought to have some sort of a vehicle to to get there, even if it takes them a year or two of grinding. Right now, it's like ten years or twenty years of grinding. You know, right. so. Continuing to see them make strides in that area is important to me. And then just new big features. Take some chances, you know. Uh, I love, like, the King of the Hill idea or, or yeah. fleshing out clan wards more. or You know, there's a lot of different ideas. Uh, but it doesn't have to be just that. Like, those are just ideas that I like. But, you know, Supercell's proven in the past to be pretty uh, innovative when it comes to new features and stuff. So, I mean, I trust them. But, you know, just to put a final thought on that, is like I don't think I think that the the golden age of Clash Royale is behind us, and I think that's okay. Like, uh, yeah, I don't think that every game. I don't think that we'll get to the heights because this game was popping in the first year or two, like like you've never seen before, like way more than Brawl Stars is right now. Like in the in its right. in its after its launch, it was huge. And I, I don't think many games will get that big. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I just want to see, similar to Clash of Clans in some ways, I just want to see a nice 10-year run here. And we're only in year three. That there's a big audience, which we still have. There's a lot of enthusiastic people, which we still have. There's still millions and millions of daily active players. So everything to me is going pretty well right now. I'm just excited for what the next steps are because there certainly can still be improvement. I want to speculate but not necessarily speculate, but get your opinion on something. Mm -hmm. 
So in terms of like adding new things to the game and making big changes or big tentpole features, what have you, how do you feel about adding something to the game that changes the type of arena that you're playing in so that it's not one river with two bridges? Like maybe switching that up a little bit. I like it. I like it. I mean, they can always, I mean, ultimately they have limited bandwidth in on their team because they choose to keep these small teams at Supercell. You can agree right. with that or disagree with that. I'm sure just like anything else in life, it has its, its, its pros and its cons, right? And one of the cons is that they can't work on huge features and then just scrap them after a week and say, okay, it's just a temporary game mode if they don't work because that's a lot of time right. and money and energy by their somewhat limited team. So because if that was the case, if they did have a bigger team, if they were like a a studio, a production studio, or excuse me, a development studio with hundreds of people on it, I mean, they could easily say, hey, go make a, a, a two river, five bridge uh, arena and we'll put it in as a, like a touchdown, like they did with touchdown, which is like, you know, sure. every so often and see how people like it. But I feel like, you know, Sometimes you swing and you miss, and in a game like this with this small of a team, if you have too many swings and misses, then that's where things get kind of like, oh crap, like another crappy update. You know, not not saying they're 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 all crappy updates, but I'm saying that like that's what you can get on a bad string. And uh, so I don't know, it, it's tough. It's you can see the the problem that that Supercell has, you know, with some of these ideas. Yeah, it's tough to balance. But I think one thing that you touched upon which Rob and I wanted to get your thoughts on, was ladder and fair play. And I think one of the most controversial things we've seen in, I'd say the recent, call it, it's really this year, right, 2019, that we've seen just this year in general, was the bans that came out very recently from Supercell on their terms of service and fair play. Wanted to get your thoughts on that and just get your perspective on, on what you thought of it. This is kind of one of those areas where I regret, like I was talking about earlier, where I regret, not that I'd said or did anything that I don't really stand by at the time that I said it, but sometimes we have a tendency, especially as, as a content creator, uh, you know, where you just, your followers are asking you all the time, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? And then you give your opinion and, and things change and you don't have all the facts. And that's one of those tough kind of things. You have to give something because everybody's asking you. And if you're silent, next thing you know, I'll refresh Reddit and they'll be like, CWA is silent on Nova. <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's, it's tough, you know? And uh, so anyway, as with everybody, I have like, it's a very nuanced situation, right? So what happened? Well, basically, I don't know, 100 accounts or more of the top 200 players were banned uh, last season. And, you know, there was this big back and forth between Clash Royale Twitter account and Royal, who's a, a pro Romanian player from Immortals, and basically saying that if you're going to ban some people, why not ban all the, ban all the ladder pushing? And then it, it kind of escalated from there. And then Clash Royale responded saying, hey, sure, DM me people who are, or DM us with people who are account sharing. And then he screenshotted the picture of the DM. It was like all this drama around it, right? And Right, sure. And then it get, and then the next day, or actually a three a couple days later, uh, that happened on a Friday, and then on Monday everybody got banned after the after that happened, and it gave the appearance that essentially it was just like, uh, hey, submit all the names you think are cheating pro players, and then we'll just ban them all for lifetime permanent ban, and that's what happened. Uh, but there was more to the story, and. You know, what it comes down to, without getting into every little detail again and rehashing the whole thing, what it comes down to is a lot of people have broken the terms of service for a long, long time. And a lot of people, 
with any terms of service violation uh, are kind of ignorant to to what they're doing being that wrong. And Supercell is somewhat complicit to that because they've let allowed it to go on on a large scale without without addressing it. So for a while. Yeah. So for three years, you know, so I feel like it's just not a great situation for anybody. And a lot of the blame goes on these players. Uh, some of the blame even goes on me because, you know, I've been indirectly supporting account sharing by having them on my channel, knowing that they're account sharing, you know. Right. But me personally, my own opinion, my private opinion, now public, <laughs> is that uh, account pushing isn't that big of a deal. Cheap gems is a big deal to me, but like that's just my opinion. Ultimately, the onus is on Supercell to decide what they want to do about these things, and uh, they they permanently banned a lot of accounts, mostly for cheap gem sales and purchases, which I think is awful. It's 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 really goes beyond just cheap gems. It's it, it's essentially money laundering and yeah, it's fraud, theft. Right. You know, yeah, and fraud and theft, and it's really you know felonies you know it's it, it's it's bad so yeah this is like jail time level yes for yes those that yes don't understand how serious it is exactly it doesn't mean that if you bought cheap gems one time that you're going to go to jail it means that the people who are one level higher than the person like people who are dealing in this they're they could be at risk you know so uh yeah i mean <laughs> man what a situation right how do you guys feel about it I think personally, I, I, I would agree with you. I, I, I personally don't think sharing accounts is, is the worst thing in the world, right? Although I respect the fact that Supersets against their terms of service, and it, it is fair play to not have that, right? So I, I get it, right? But what is a big deal to me and what is a big deal to them, like you mentioned, can be different, and we can agree to disagree on that. But to your point, cheap gems, buying something with other, someone else's credit card, nobody benefiting except for the person getting the cheap gems. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and the person whose credit card got stolen, not being reimbursed potentially. I mean, it's a bit, it's that to me, to your point is a big problem. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. I think the one thing that I would say, you know, I, I just wish not for the cheap gems, but for the whole account sharing thing, I, I just kind of wish that like in clash of clans, they would have just issued a statement uh, and it, along with in-game, not just on Twitter, saying that, hey, from this day forward, we're going to ban every account who account shares. That's it. Permanent ban. You know, uh, we haven't we, we've we've looked the other way or they wouldn't say that, obviously. But like the, the reason I thought that that would have been nice ahead of time is because uh, they didn't address this for years, you know, right. and then to permanently ban people on it to me felt a little excessive. I know there's some people uh, it, it, all over Reddit, all over social media saying, screw them, they're cheaters, they deserve the death sentence. <laughs> but to me, I guess like to me, maybe I'm a little bit uh, more apathetic. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. To, but I just feel like ultimately not every crime is created equal, you know? So I guess I fall. I, I'm riding the fence here, fellas. But yeah, I guess that's how I feel about it. For, uh, I, I'm OK with moving on. Uh, you know, with a clean slate here, I, I think it was a little bit, you know, unfortunate how everything went down, but I guess it is what it is. And it's nice to see a lot of the pro players starting new accounts and Supercell being okay with that too. So, yeah. And I think the one thing that really kind of reined everybody in was the explanation on Reddit that they gave and also that they gave on Twitter where they kind of shed some light on what the situation was that they didn't just ban people for account sharing, but also the primary reason, which was cheap gems that were purchased and, and a combination of those things. You know, just the being transparent on that, I think, really kind of reined back the reaction that mm -hmm. that you, that me, that the community in general had.
to what they did, right? And I think having that perspective is really important as we move forward. Absolutely. Totally agree, guys. I don't really have any more to add to that. You, you, but you guys both completely <laughs> covered my own opinion. So thank you both. So Ash, switching gears yet again, one thing that you've been able to do is be, be a part of CCGS and be a part of CRL, right? In different capacities, but you've been a part of both. Question we have is, what do you think Supercell can learn from both of those to apply into CRL season two to make it that much better? Oh man, I mean, geez, I've been at so ma- I've been so lucky enough to be at so many tournaments since the beginning of Clash Royale, starting with the the Helsinki tournament, which Jason won, you know. Yeah. And Boom. Uh, Boom. no big deal. Final eight finish, guys. No big deal. Yeah, we no saw you deal. on stage. Yeah. We my, saw you my on stage, moment. dude. <laughs> Can I just say you are a sick emote spammer, man? Yeah. Did, did I? I don't even remember that. Did I spam oh, yeah. a little bit? Oh, no big deal. No big... That was before we even knew what BM was. That's true. Uh, this is it. This is the tell all podcast. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I was. Also, the first player to ever play Royal Giant in a, a cash live tournament because I played Royal Giant right after it was released in that uh, tournament. So, nice. uh, yeah, good times. But yeah, I, I think that the the game has uh, they've come a lot. The competitive side of things has clearly came a long way, considering that I couldn't even get you know 15 wins in the 21 challenge the last time around, uh, <laughs> and and I made it on stage that first time. And Supercell has grown with it, and they now have a whole esports division, which does a really good job in uh, in in CRL and CCGS as well. Uh, season two of CRL, I'm super excited. I do wish there was a little bit more connection between CRL West and the rest of the world. Uh, but Supercell is so separated by region, which I find really unfortunate. I find it, uh, and I, I get some of the limitations and why it is that way. But at the same time, like at me as somebody in the West, I would really love to see more West, more Eastern uh, content, but it's really not that available uh, to us. But anyway, that aside out of the way, I think they've come a long way. I, I love that they're collaborating with YouTube a lot because YouTube, obviously, again, I'm a little biased here, but YouTube <laughs> compared to every other streaming platform, they've shown an extreme interest in mobile games, which I am so thankful for. You know, the guys, sure. you know, from Lester, Lester Chen, who's uh, the head, I think, of, 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 I don't know, mobile gaming par- or gaming partnerships or something. I don't know. And I forgot his official title, <laughs> but... He's worked hand in hand with the Supercell Esports team, Tim Ebner and and company, and they've created like a really a lot of really interesting things. And we saw one of those things in the loot drops at the CRL World Finals, where you could get you could get in-game rewards just for watching. That's incredibly innovative because no other platform has ever done anything like that. So I think, I hope. They continue to expand upon these kind of outside the box and innovative ideas to make the viewing experience better from for the viewers side. Because, I mean, we had millions of people watching the world finals, which is amazing. Uh, And, you know, only 100 or 200 or whatever, 500 people in attendance there. So you really want to be thinking about the viewing experience from home. And uh, and how to get more more eyeballs on your game, because some people might look at those type of those things as cheesy or gimmicky. Me personally, I think it's a brilliant marketing, because if you can bring in a million people and only 
10% of them stay, then boom, you have 100,000 new fans. You know, even 5% of them, 50,000 new people who are interested in the league. So you don't have to convert everybody, but if you convert a small percentage, then you grow the competitive side of things. So I really like that. I like the innovation. And now it's going to be back in horizontal, which I'm especially excited for <laughs> because I watch on, on PC. So I'm in the minority though, but I didn't. I wasn't a huge fan of the uh, the vertical uh, CRL. So I think that those are all things that they've learned from. They've also learned a ton. I can only imagine after season one of working with these big name organizations uh, right. in esports, and you know, I can only imagine that it's probably challenging to work with a lot of those big, especially considering Clash Royale. I'm sure some of them probably treated it as a side project. You know, so right. yep. I think that you know. Not to, I, I was not involved in any of these, but let me just throw it out there. I have no inside knowledge to that, but I can just assume that uh, me personally, I was not happy at all with a lot of those big orgs and how they promoted the league or the team. And they really did a disservice, I feel like, to their players. A lot of those orgs without naming names, not all of them, there were a lot of exceptions who did really awesome work too. Right. But I think that Supercell probably learned a lot uh, along that road as well. And I think that, you know, most importantly, having organizations who are passionate about your game. Is really important. Yeah, and I think one thing that two things I think that you mentioned that really struck home with me is one, the in, being innovative with your community, but two, using ways to engage the viewers. Right? Mm -hmm. If the viewers can feel connected in one way, shape, or form, they're more likely to grab on and feel more interested and feel like they're more a part of what's happening as opposed to just watching it. What's happening? And I think a long time ago, Rob and I talked about League of Legends. Right. And one of the things that we talked about was that during a match, it's never the same decks, but also just like, I mean, in Clash Royale, there's never the same decks either. But before the match, every match, they have a draft session, right? Where the community is kind of like going through the picks and bans with the team. And almost every pick and ban draws a reaction from the viewership, whether it's oohs and ahs or Oh, no way, right? I mean, <laughs> small things like that, I think, can add a huge shift in, in how the community is receiving the game and being engaged to it. So one way that we were thinking about was like, well, why don't they incorporate draft challenges? Like, not challenges, but a draft deck mode into a competitive scene. Wouldn't that be a great way to engage the community in a different way using, to our point before, more skilled players who know the game, who know the cards and those various interactions and how to capitalize on them? To us, that was just one thing that we throw it out, but we, you know, we've never seen it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one thing to first of all, I love the idea, right? But like, maybe I feel like the only downside is that knowing from on the analytical end, it you guys would be shocked to see the drop off when a match is not going on, right? In viewer retention, right? So it's and even i remember when i was in ccgs or was it crl I, I, they're all blending together but i think it was <laughs> no it was crl so when i was doing the locker room no i don't know was it ccgs uh i think it was ccgs but when i was doing the locker room segment like where we talked about the matches in between and stuff like that like i'm not saying your idea is a million times better than than what i was doing in the locker room but i just know that every time it came to the locker room in the back of my mind it was just like dude Nobody cares about this. Everybody <laughs> wants to see the gameplay and nobody cares about the dissecting or analysis uh, after the fact or in between the matches. So I think that the key, in my opinion, is creating like really awesome engagement that's fast uh, in between matches. 
and in keeping everything moving, the one downside of CRL Finals was the enormously, disgustingly long broadcast time. I think I went through like 15 Red Bulls there in Japan uh, <laughs> during that because I was just like, I can't believe how long this is. It was like an eight-hour right. stream. So I'm not saying every CRL stream is going to be you know that long, obviously. That was an anomaly, and there was some technical difficulties and stuff like that. But they need to keep things running, you know? Short, 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 I think, wins in these contests. It's so easy to lose interest. So, you know, I think that you need to, A, keep things moving fast. And then, B, you need to, during the downtime, make something very provocative, uh, a real easy value takeaway for the, for, the, uh, for the viewer and keep it moving. So, like, yeah, if they did a quick draft thing, or maybe they take your idea and they mix it with loot drop somehow, you know? Yeah, right. Like, there you go. That would spice up those, those intermissions. But I think, feel like you just need to, you need to account for and to think about every single minute of the broadcast and then do everything you can, just like, you know, on SNL, like every second is is accounted for, and if there's right. a technical issue, then you have to adjust on the fly, and you have to take stuff out. But like, I felt like we didn't do a good job of that in the World Finals. But that's okay because those are all learning experiences, and hopefully, moving forward, all that stuff is going to get fixed and corrected down the road anyway. I think it will. I'm I'm pretty honestly. I, I'm not just saying that. You guys know I'm like I'm very open to be being critical, but I think that the. Uh, the esports team is really, really good on on Clash Royale side. Of course, there's a lot of things they can improve upon. We mentioned a lot of them right now or in this conversation, but I feel like they they do have done a lot of market research and they kind of have a have a good direction going into 2019 uh, CRL. Well, we can certainly hope, and we have a lot to look forward to. Totally agree. So as we wind down the conversation a little bit, one of the things that we like to do with each guest that comes on the show is get some advice for anyone that listens to the show that is a casual player, because the whole point of our initial idea of this podcast was to help people that were casual, right? Like Joe and I. Um, so what would be some of the top one to two tips that you would give for someone who wants to get better at Clash Royale and someone who wants to get more involved with the Clash Royale community? So to get better at Clash Royale, uh, I feel like an enormous amount of the skill gap between a below average and an average and above average player is really comes down to two kind of obvious things. Number one is just not playing too aggressively. I feel like it's almost a meme that every pro that comes to my channel is like, do you want to be patient at the beginning? Identify <laughs> identify what your, your cards your opponent has. But it's true. Like, And especially the more you lose, the more aggressive you can be. I'm sure you guys know. Like, like I'll, I'll never start a bandit at the bridge uh, if I pick up my phone and I play a match right now. But after a couple losses, I'll start a bandit you at might, the bridge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm so, with you on that. So... <laughs> I think like always trying to be passive is one thing, but the best tip is the most absolutely obvious, but it's something that is, is really difficult. And that's why it's, it's easier said than done, but is to really, really concentrate on what cards your opponent has at all times. And it's just so important to the game, to having success. Like, and and it's so easy to just take a to, to just play your game and not worry about the opponent so much like just keep track of their win condition and maybe their spells and that's about it but sure. to really succeed and and a lot of the good pros you can just tell like they just I can be asking them a million questions on my video like oh what are you doing here what are you doing and they're like oh but like 
at a moment's notice, they'll be like, okay, they have guards and arrows in, the, in hand right now. And, and like, they just, they just know, you know? So not making stupid plays. Like, and if you know what they have, you won't make as many stupid plays, right? Because you'll know, okay, they have Ram Rider in hand, but they have a P.E.K.K.A. coming down the left lane, but they have Ram Rider in hand. So let's just pretend it's like a P.E.K.K.A. versus P.E.K.K.A. deck, right? And I want to use my P.E.K.K.A. against their P.E.K.K.A. because that's my best option against their P.E.K.K.A. But if I play my P.E.K.K.A., I know they have Ram Rider in hand, and I'll have nothing for the Ram Rider. So just like those stupid little, in a vacuum, it's the right decision to counter a P.E.K.K.A. with a P.E.K.K.A. But knowing that they have a Ram Rider in hand, it's a bad decision, you know, right. or it's, uh, you know, so, trying to think a couple steps ahead. Yeah, it's a really obvious answer. And of course, like, yeah, dude, I get it, man. Knowing what they're playing is a good idea. But at least for me, I just tend to sometimes my mind just kind of wanders when I play it. I'm just kind of like I'm making the moves, but I'm not really my head's not really in the game. And I think to, to get good at the game, you need to have your head in the game. Do you guys ever play a game and you're in the match for like 30 to 45 seconds or even a minute and you try to be like, wait a minute, what cards do they have? <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, yep. yep. All the time. It, to your point, Ash, it's so much easier said than done because like I play so many matches where I'm like, okay, they've got Hog Rider. But I mean, I've been in the match for a minute. They've played six of their eight cards and I can only name two of them. Yeah. I had a pro on my channel coach me like last week, only one match. It was like the end of one video and it was literally over halfway through the match and i was just talking to him and just playing and recording so there's a lot going on to my to my defense but he's like uh he's like so ash what do you think your your opponent's playing here and i'm like uh <laughs> like i had played almost two-thirds of the match and i had no idea what he was i mean like he to be fair he hadn't shown his golem yet it was a golem deck it was but like he ha he already played like a night witch a lumberjack a baby dragon like everything that goes with the golem the elixir pump went like, down yeah 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 <laughs> it's like it might it like all of my viewers must have been like dude it's golem ash come on yeah man. but it's just like it's so much easier to see it when you're not in it though it is it is and sometimes that's why like you know it's like the least fun thing to do sometimes is watch your own replays after losses like it's not no one really i don't do it that often you know but it's really one of the better ways to to get better yeah, we try and do that, and we actually advocate for that on the show all the time. We, it's, it's definitely one of our top recommended tips for sure. But Ash, what about ways that you can kind of see people get into the community? What's the best way to, to do that? Yeah, I mean, starting a Twitter is a, is a great way, right? I mean, uh, I hate to, I mean, joining a Discord server like yours is, is a great way, you know? I think that having, this game is, is, is good in a sense that there's, there's a lot of avenues to kind of, to not just get noticed, but to be part of a community, you know? And, mm -hmm. and if it's something that you want to do, another way is just to watch streamers. There's so many good streamers in Clash Royale for every language. So if you watch, if you pick your favorite streamer, and then just start watching them on a regular basis and chatting. And, and you know, if you have a Twitter account, you can say, hey, follow me. Or, hey, let's become in-game friends or whatever. And just try to network a little bit. And, and that's the best way to get involved in the community, whether you have competitive or pro aspirations or not. It's just, it's a nice way to kind of get involved. And you don't have to be, a big misnomer in this game is you do not have to be a good player to understand the game and to be mm -hmm. passionate about the game and and to be involved in the community uh, around the game like you don't you just don't it doesn't have any co your skill does not have correlation on that you oh you can't talk to me because you're not skilled it's just it's not like that you know 
Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, look at. I mean, I hate to use poor poor Seth, aka the Rumham, but I, <laughs> I hate to, I hate to use him as an example. But uh, you could use myself as an example too. Like I had a successful YouTube channel without being with being awful at the game, right? Or Seth got hired as a designer on the game, and he was good. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't like a pro player. But he understands sure. the game, you know. Right. Well, look at us. When we started, we didn't know anything about this game, and <laughs> I just texted Joe one day, and I was like, "Hey." uh, you want to do a podcast on this game? And Joe goes, what's a what's podcast? What's a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, what's the game and, and what's a podcast? <laughs> right. I, was, I was telling you guys this off air, but man, I really admire your dedication too, because it's been almost a hundred, you're, you're creeping up slowly but surely onto a hundred episodes of this podcast. And it's just, you know, not a lot of people can stick with anything in life, let alone something that takes as much time and energy as a podcast for that long. So so hats off to you guys. Thank you so much, man. We really appreciate that. We do appreciate it. And I can honestly say that to your point, if it wasn't for the community, the camaraderie, the the people that have kind of come along with us, because we started this podcast to kind of create um, an environment of a, a community of people that wanted to learn and grow and get better together while, while being friendly, right? Like a, a fun place where people could come and be mm-hmm. together. Um, yeah. Honestly, I can, and I think I can speak for Rob and I both, and if we didn't have this community, to your point before, it would be difficult to continue playing the game. It, it at least would have been a much harder thing to continue doing for three years, and, and I think to your point, that's really what keeps the grind going. That's what keeps us passionate. It's, it's been a fun journey so far. I can honestly say we weren't sure if we were going to make it past 10 episodes when we first started, but, <laughs> but here we are. Definitely not, and I can say from, I mean, this is my opinion, I would hope that Joe feels the same way, but you never know, right? I don't think that I could have ever done this particular project with anybody else. Like, there's no way that I would even be close to be, it would not be as good if I just had a friend on, you know, or if it was just me doing the show, or even if Joe was just the only person doing the show. Like, the dynamic between the two of us is what keeps us both energized. And yeah, sometimes when we sit down in front of this microphone, Joe looks at me, I look at Joe, and I'm like, oh, I can't believe we have to record this for two hours. But as soon as we get going, it's like... We just start moving and grooving, Heck yeah, we love this game. Yeah, moving and grooving, baby. <laughs> that's it. Dude, that's so hopping. cool. That's so cool. That's it. And that should be... You know, again, back to like the brotherly thing, but it should be like an inspiration to someone, you know, like sometimes you can really some of the best ways to bond with somebody not to get so mushy here, guys, but like some of the best ways to kind of bond is to take on a project together, not just yep. go out for uh, beers or whatever, or like, you know, not just hang out and do nothing or play video games. Sometimes actually doing something together is like the coolest way to kind of, you know, to, to have like a a meaningful uh you know relationship i guess <laughs> yeah no i totally agree it's like that sense of accomplishment really adds another yeah. level of of up to your relationship that's a really good way to put it because I, yeah. I, can, I can agree with rob i mean it's it certainly finding your niche right to you it was pro tips to rob and i it was just like oh, maybe there's like a family of people out there like siblings that want to play this game that just want to get better together <laughs> yeah and uh and that's what we hope to create in the community so you know, it's just funny to hear how we all achieve, try and strive for that one thing that keeps us passionate um, in everything that we do during the grind. Absolutely. We can, you guys can definitely tell that you're passionate. So keep up the good work. I uh, appreciate it, man. Thanks, man. All right. So uh, I'm so happy that we did that. And I think it's now time to officially wind down the actual interview. So, uh, Ash, not that most people wouldn't know where to find you anyway, but just in case there happens to be that one little kid somewhere that just does not know how to find you. Where can they find you on Twitter, YouTube, whatever? 
Uh, thanks. Yeah. So I have like the normal social media at CWA is my Twitter. Nice and easy. Uh, clash underscore with underscore Ash is my Instagram. And of course I upload every day at, uh, CWA mobile gaming on YouTube. I stream Monday through Friday on Facebook. I'm a Facebook gaming partner, uh, at, uh, you can search, uh, CWA mobile gaming or clash with Ash. Sweet. And uh, for everyone that's listening, we'll be sure to include that stuff in the show notes so you can easily find it, click it, and just go right there. And also, if you're coming from the show after hearing this message, let Ash know that you came from our show so that way he knows that our words have reached you. <laughs> That'd be really cool. I hope to see some of your uh, your, your listeners. And uh, and also, again, I have my, my Discord as well, so people will check that out as well. And, and shout out to my Discord fam because I'm going to make sure I share the podcast to those guys too. That's right, man. Well, Ash, Rob and I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk a little bit of Clash with us. But more than that, talk about your journey. Talk about what it's like being a YouTuber. What it's like being behind the scenes as, you know, in esports, in the community, and, and just your perspective on things. Uh, you know, I know for sure Rob and I were, were excited to hear it. We were excited to do this interview. Uh, but, but truthfully, I think our listeners are going to get a lot out of it. So appreciate you shedding your insight and, and sharing your thoughts with us today. Uh, Joe, Rob, the pleasure is all mine, guys. Honestly, thank you so much for having me on. And I uh, hope to come back on soon again sometime. And one more thing before you leave, the official boom. Boom. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Boom. boom. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll talk to you later, man. Bye. Bye. Later, guys. All right, Joe. So, of course, we both had a great time hanging out with Ash. But what good would a Cast Royale episode be without our... Deck Spotlight. Deck Spotlight. <laughs> That's right, and this deck is called Big Royal, and it's a 3.9 average elixir cost deck that contains the Royal Giant, the Mega Minion, the Barbarians, the Baby Dragon, the Barbarian Barrel, Poison, Tornado, and the Furnace. So Joe, tell me how I drop a Big Royal on my opponent. So this deck is actually one of the easier decks to play that we've actually spotlighted in a while really it's not a complicated deck like at the end of the day you're using cards that are good at specific things right sure royal giant bridge Mm -hmm. (laughs) barbarians defend right mega minion defend baby dragon wait for it defend right right this deck is a very defensive deck but it also has chip damage which is really awesome in the furnace If you can set the furnace up at the beginning of the match, it forces your opponent to do something. Nine times out of ten, your opponent cannot appropriately deal with your furnace. So, they have to play a card that stops the damage from being dealt to their tower. When they do that, well, then you just play a card. Maybe the Baby Dragon, maybe the Mega Minion. Play a card in the back that just counters that card. You might think that you're down Elixir, but in theory, you still have a furnace, right? And they've wasted a card. They've basically put a card on the map that doesn't function the way that they want it to function. Right. You caused it to function on defense to prevent damage. At that point, you should have control of your side of the map. And when that happens, bro, you just got to drop the Royal Giant down. Ooh. I mean, this isn't like a difficult deck to play, right? You drop the Royal Giant down and you defend him. If your opponent drops a Goblin Gang or guards to attack the Royal Giant, it's best to just use the Barbarian Barrel. Some might say, well, why don't you just let the Furnace Fire Spirits attack the, the guards, right? They'll take care of it. Ooh, can I answer? Feel free. That allows 
your fire spirits to actually make it to the tower instead of wasting the damage on killing those troops. And if it hits the tower, that's significantly more damage than the barbarian barrel would do to the tower. Right. Fire spirits do a ton of damage. There's a reason why they are used for chip damage through the furnace, right? They have to be responded to or they can take a tower down in maybe two or two and a half furnace deploys, right? The other reason is because your barbarian barrel is really good against ground troops, right? It's really good against skeleton army. It's really good against guards. It's really good against goblin gang. It's good against spear goblins, but it's not good against minions. So you might as well just use them on the troops that it's good against or snipe the musketeer if it's attacking your, your, your royal giant. But if you do that, maybe your opponent has bats or maybe they have minions. If they do, well, then guess what? Fire spirits clean them up, baby. The other option you have is the baby dragon. And the baby dragon can be used situationally. It's a tank, right? It does AoE splash damage. It can be used to facilitate the offensive push. However, you're typically going to want to use this card on defense. It's not as good on offense because if you play it first, your opponent has the ability to place their cards in placements that don't allow the baby dragon to get value, that AoE splash damage value. Whereas on defense, you can force troops to move in a specific direction towards the baby dragon and get more value out of that AoE splash. Right. Meaning you can then go on the offensive counter push. Guess what? The big royal giant. Bada bada boom. Boom, dude. Now. This deck is really interesting because the, the, the tornado is really only good when coupled with the baby dragon. So you can use the tornado for defensive purposes. You can pull a hog into your king tower. You can pull a miner away from your archer tower to activate your king tower as well. But aside from that, you're really just going to want to use the tornado for two things. One, to remove threats from your royal giant. The longer your royal giant is alive, the more damage he's dealing. That is your win condition. The only other way that you can get chip damage onto their tower is through poison, value poisons, or furnace chips onto the tower. But the true value comes when you have the baby dragon played on defense, drop the royal giant at the bridge, and then while you're peeling things off of your royal giant with the tornado, mm-hmm. A, we splash damage with the baby dragon. Ooh. It works incredibly well. Now, Some people might say, well, why do you need the barbarians? Well, the barbarians actually serve a really important purpose. One, they are the only ground troop that you really have for defense. And they can surround your opponent's troops. So they can really delay. They can can cause your opponent's push to be delayed for for an extended period of time. Sure. One of the number one threats against a royal giant is a big mama P.E.K.K.A. So having multiple ground troops allows your biggest threat, in theory, to be slowed down for an extended period of time. Yeah, at the very least, five extra swings. Right. Whereas you switch this out for maybe a Lumberjack or a Mini P.E.K.K.A., well, those are going to dive to a P.E.K.K.A. in two hits. So you've effectively lost three hits worth of seconds, which I think is around three and a half to four seconds. Right. And then if... You swap that out with maybe, let's say, the skeleton army. That has the high potential of getting whacked by a zap or a log. Right. In which case, you're, you're losing elixir, right? Yeah. Not, not only are they dying fast, but you're also losing elixir. And you're slowing nothing down. Right. And, you know, sure, you can lose the five barbarians to a four-cost fireball, but at least you're making your opponent drop a four-cost fireball. And if they're coupling that with a big mama P.E.K.K.A., well, they've effectively used 11 elixir there. Right. Still slowing down their push. 
Sounds good to me, man. It is good, and it's not a high skill cap deck. Again, simple steps here. Drop the furnace down. Maybe drop the Mega Minion in the back, see what they play. Drop the Baby Dragon for defense. Royal Giant at the bridge. Defend him with the Barbarian Barrel. Peel things off with the Tornado. Couple that with the Baby Dragon. And do chip damage with the Poison. And you've got yourself a game, dude. And, 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 th- and the thing is, is you shouldn't overcomplicate the deck. If you play it too aggressively, like if you don't properly set up the Furnace, and you're just dropping Royal Giants at the bridge every five seconds, mm-hmm. you're not going to win, right? Like you have to be able to defend your Royal Giant in order for him to effectively chip damage onto the tower. Makes sense. So taking this approach makes it that much easier. Boom, dude. Boom, man. So yeah, give it a try again, right? Like even though it's a, call it a low skill cap deck, so to speak, you're going to lose it first, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it took me a little while to get, you know, get the hang of it, get a few losses under my belt before I really understood the best way to play it. And you're going to see like you'll make mistakes, but that's OK. It, it won't take 30 games before you start to realize the potential of the deck. It might take five to ten. If your cards are high enough level to take into the ladder, feel free. It's not a bad deck at all. And you can definitely learn it quick enough. Or, you know, if you feel more comfortable taking it into a classic challenge. Jump in and learn it because I promise it will pay dividends. This deck, about a week ago, dude, was number two on the tippy top of the ladder. Nice. Good choice, then. Thanks, man. And that's it, dude. We're done. Year three is now behind us, and we get to look forward to year four. Year four. You know what happens before year four? Uh, is this a trick question? Nope. Hmm. Year three. Well, that would not be wrong. Right. But it would also not be right. Hmm. What is the answer? Episode 100. Oh, yeah, man. Episode 100's coming. It's around the corner. It's around the corner. It is coming faster than I ever would have imagined. Are you excited? I'm excited. I'm nervous. Don't be nervous. I'm happy. You should be happy. Don't be nervous. I mean, be anxious, but don't be nervous. I'm anxious. Um, jolly. Jolly? Ooh, I like that. Like St. Nick. You want to know what's really good? (laughs) What? Pink Jolly Ranchers. Yeah. You know what else is really good? Tell me. Blue Jolly Ranchers. Nah, I don't... Come on, man. Blue Raspberry? Get out of here. Get out of here. Is that the only thing in the world that's pink that you like? No, I like pink Starburst. Mm, okay. Food, other than that? Wow, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) Is that where we're at right now? I think so. Joe just doesn't like when I make any of the episode titles pink. He likes when I make them like solid, good colors that match the episode. Yeah, I agree with that. Right? Yeah. I mean, it was a good design change, I think. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. Good, Mm -hmm. sometimes, design changes. You need that every once in a while. Yeah, somebody's got to hold me down, otherwise I'll fly off this planet. That is me, yep. Yeah. So, before we go and finally wrap up episode 82... We would like to take this moment to thank everyone for sticking with us for three years. It's been one heck of a ride. Joe and I literally would not be here if it was not for every single person that listens to our show and makes this community and the episodes what they are today. So from my heart, from Joe's heart, I think I can say and speak for the both of us. We love you guys, and thank you so much for being a part of our family for the last three years because we're very excited for what the future holds. And family is exactly what it's become, dude. Our community of, of listeners, of like just people that we've become friends with. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how grateful I am for all of the individual people, the, the relationships that I've been able to develop, 
I think we say this all the time, but just the camaraderie, right? We talked about a little bit with Ash, right? The, the reason we did this, the reason yeah. we created this show was to build a community of people that wanted to learn and grow and play together. But it became more than that. It, it was that and more. The community of people, everyone's just so friendly, so supportive. They want to help. They want you to succeed. They want, they just want for you, you know, yeah. the selfless people that, that we've somehow seemed to have attracted. And throughout all of that, right, we also somehow got acknowledged by Supercell themselves. We've been able to generate relationships with them, and we are super grateful for that as well. And we cannot thank them enough for their support over the past three years for what we've done. You know, literally just using Apple headphones to record a podcast when I didn't even know what a podcast was. Right. (laughs) Um, to, to where we are now and sometimes being lucky enough and fortunate enough to be, you know, shouted out in the game that we talk about. Right. You know, it's, it's an extremely humbling experience. And Rob, you said it as best as I could have ever said it. Our hearts are so appreciative of just everything. And it's been such a humbling experience and we cannot wait to see what comes next. Bada, bada, boom. Boom, dude. That was good, man. I felt that. Right in the old heart, right in the old emote section of my body. That was totally unscripted, dude. That was straight from my soul. Yeah, I, I have no piece of. We don't. We don't operate with paper in front of us. By the way, we do. We do have show notes in front of us, but it's not like a script. We're not like reading an actual script. We're just following bullet points, and none of that was in that the show notes for this episode. No, you can't script that, dude. No, no, you can't. No, nah. you so, gotta. You gotta feel the Larry inside of you. Oh yeah. While. Like the passion, like how much I hate Sparky needed to be felt in love there. You know what I mean? So what you're saying is the elixir needs to pour out of your body. Right. Just like Larry. Well, I was just going to say, unless you're Larry, because then he's he's a minor. That's true. Right. We've established this multiple times. You're right. Right. I mean, I guess he he can't drink rage, but he can drink elixir, right? He drank elixir with the king. Yeah. Let's say elixir is more like... uh, Apple juice. Uh, I was going to say regular apple cider. Well, we're on the same kind of page. Yeah. I like that we both went for apple. <laughs> right. What would you say rage is then? A Red Bull or a monster. I'm trying to think of something that actually like shook you awake, made you rage a little bit. <laughs> made you, I picked things up and I put them down. I picked things up and I put them down. <laughs> Ah, which, by the way, we're not endorsing drinking any of those things. We're just saying that's exactly what probably most likely drinking rage is like correct lumberjack feels good all the time all the time um so that's it i think right are we done we did it dude episode year three eight two in the books baby let's go and because this episode was a little bit longer than we anticipated we're not going to do all the outro stuff but we do want to make sure that we give a special thank you to robin hood for sponsoring tonight's episode and also clnsmedia.com for hosting our show on their site if you're looking for the most recent episodes you can find them there or if you're looking for new podcasts you can also find them there as well and last but certainly not least dude a huge thank you to clash with ash i know we said it when we were with him but we are super appreciative for him taking his time, coming on the show, talking some Clash, and even beyond Clash. I can certainly say I learned a lot today from him, and I hope our listeners did as well. But we are super appreciative for him taking the time to be with us on our birthday episode. Boom, dude. Boom. And that's it, man. We will see you next time for another HodgePodge of Everything!
Let's punch up everything. Year three edition, baby. Let's go. Bada bada boom. Oh. Bye. Bye. Boom, dude. Uh, boom. Boom, dude. <laughs> boom, dude. Boom. And that's it. We will see you next time for another HodgePodge of Everything!